Little trouble there. Let's pick it up at 17. my temple. Here we go. Five, six, and. Downbeat on 18. Okay, here we go. Five, six, and. Bar 17, the and of four. Got it? Five, six, seven. Not quite my tempo. It's all good. No worries. Here we go. Five, six, seven. Rushing. Here we go. Uh, ready? Okay. Five, six, and. Dragging just a hair. Wait for my cue. Five, six, seven. Rushing. Five, six, and. Dragging. I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman. I, I don't know. Sure you do. The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, five. damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Oh, no. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. Now, are you a rusher or are you a dragger or are you going to be on my fucking time? I'm going to be on your time. What does that say? Quarter note equals 215. Count me at 215. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Jesus one, two, fucking three. Christ! I didn't know they allowed retards into Schaefer. Am I to understand that you cannot read tempo? Can you even fucking read music? What is that? Eighth note? Yes, what is that? Dotted sixteenth note. Sight read measure 101. What are you in a fucking a cappella group? Play the goddamn kit! Now answer my question. Were you rushing or were you dragging? Answer! Rushing. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? Do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? You must be upset. Are you upset? No. No? So you just don't give a shit about any of this? I do give a so shit about this. Are you upset? Yes or fucking no? Yes. You are upset. Yeah. Say it. I'm upset. Say it so the whole band can hear you. I'm upset. Louder! I'm upset. Louder! I'm 
upset! You are a worthless, friendless, faggot-lipped little piece of shit whose mommy left daddy when she figured out he wasn't Eugene O'Neill and who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a fucking nine-year-old girl. So for the final father-fucking time, say it louder! I'm upset! Podcast, Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Brantrum. Today we're doing Whiplash. Does it hold up or not? If you're new to the show, we focus on the main movie that we tell you about about 35 minutes or so, about a half hour into the show. So first we do a few other things that we will tell you about momentarily. I uh, would encourage you guys to give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. And we got a new email. It's not new. It's new to you, but we've had it for a bit, but we're making it official. Proton Mail is dead. It is no more. We're going with Gmail, just like everybody else, streamlining things. Yes, it's very sad. We should all take a moment and say farewell to Proton Mail. But yeah, cinema9pod at gmail.com. Gmail! Yay! Hi, Gmail. Cool, I'm sad. You're a crowd pleaser. <laughs> sure is. It's a big hit. People like it. It's got a suite of Google apps. How can you go wrong? Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Cinnamonipod at gmail.com. Uh, Travis, uh, man, we just did a 10-minute topic, which is available on our Patreon. For those of you that don't know, the Patreon is available to you. Go to patreon.com slash Probably. It's always in the show notes. The link is in the show notes. I guarantee you that. So <laughs> that much Google I can it. assure you. You could yeah. Google it, yes. But we just did a 10-minute topic, which is videos we do for our patrons, where we talk about anything but movies for 10 minutes. And you told us recently uh, it's a couple tough days here at the homestead. Well, I mean, I no. If anything, I feel lucky, man. I feel I'm, there. Um, there was a big storm that blew through here in Detroit. My my street seemed to have gotten the brunt of it. My, a lot of my neighbors have trees in their front rooms now, in their living room and shit. Uh, I had a front. I had a tree fall in my front yard and got very very lucky that they was literally like knocking on my door, like branches touching my door, leaves touching my two front windows, but nothing got broken and it was all taken care of relatively quickly. So, hmm. got lucky. Well. Then you, you got lucky, babe. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little Tom news. Petty about it. Yeah. Lucky guy. Yeah. Eric Bradshaw, we're doing Whiplash today, a movie I chose. And are you nervous about this at all? I'm very excited. Uh, I've got a lot to say. Uh, I'm here. I've got my two liter of Fresca ready to go. And uh, 
I'm I'm pumped. Fresca chat. Welcome back to Fresca chat. Fresca talk the pod. <laughs> What's your favorite? I'm soda? sure I probably tasted a Fresca once, but I can't recall. I'm trying to think of when and why I would have drank Fresca. Like maybe I was sick and like someone made it like sit out and get flat. And they're like, here, drink this Fresca. You'll feel better. <laughs> that, like that. It's been around <laughs> since 1966. I, I've got no complaints. I don't know where, what, what these jokes are. Granted, it's got full of aspartame <laughs> and, and bean gum, but it's damn good. It's full of who's what? Bean gum, it bean says. Gum? Oh, bean Glycerol, gum. bean gum. A lot of preservatives. Mm. But I, I like it. Oh shit! Well, All right. I love bean gum. We're happy that you're happy, Eric. <laughs> sure, thank you very much. <laughs> that's true. You, I mean, you look great. You look healthy, and that's all that matters. Fresca has made a difference in his life in a positive way. So, <laughs> yeah, congratulations! True. Thank you, Fresca. Thanks, Fresca, for helping the show grow. Mike, how has uh, Fresca, Fresca affected your a... life? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think about Fresca. It's always brought me a, a laugh or two over the years, over the decades. Yeah, we're um, losing Fresca's... viewers. No one likes the Fresca. <laughs> Fresca <laughs> makes me chuckle. <laughs> Uh, don't forget, cinnamoninepod at gmail.com. Send us the first email. Be the first one to email us at cinnamoninepod at gmail.com. Very exciting for us. And I got to tell you, uh, I can't wait to talk about Whiplash. But first, we'd like to always get into what we've been watching. If you're familiar with the show, you know our routine. We say hello, and then we dive into what we call quarantine viewing picks because it started back in 2020 when things were much more challenging than maybe they are today. And that's why we continue the tradition to share what we watch, recommendations, movies that were shit that we watch too. So it could be anything. And (laughs) (laughs) that means, Travis, you are up. Tell us what you have been watching. Not not much. I had a pretty busy week. Didn't didn't get a chance to get into too much. I checked out um, 1944's, you know, um, is it Michael Cukor's? The Gaslight, the American version of Gaslight. I guess I don't know if I was supposed to watch that one or the British version. I don't know, but I watched Gaslight, and the first like half, I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I expected, and I'm not really okay. Like, and then suddenly it just kind of I don't know, it drew me in halfway through. George Cuker, that's his name. Um, it drew me in halfway through, and I was like, holy shit! Like this is getting just getting better and better. I ended up really enjoying the film by the time it was over. I liked Cuker's direction through the start, but by the end of it, I'm like. This is a great villain. This is some, you know, great acting from Ingrid Bergman. I really, I really liked Gaslight. Um, yeah, it was cool. So I watched Nosferatu for the first time, the original 1922 uh, version, uh, maybe a couple months ago or so, because I, you know, our our buddies over there at Podcasting After Dark have made noises about they're gonna do, they're gonna talk about the documentary. That's I forget what it's called. Um, Something about my best friend or something like that. It's all about uh, fiend. Fiend. my best fiend. best fiend, right? So that's 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 all about the relationship between uh, Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski. So I'd never seen Nosferatu, the Vampire, the nineteen seventy nine version. I'm like, well, I gotta I gotta watch. But I'd never seen the original Nosferatu either, so I watched that, so I could watch Nosferatu, the Vampire, from nineteen seventy nine, so I could watch my best fiend, so I could listen to the episode. <laughs> Okay. This whole process I'm taking a lot of so groundwork. Yeah, I know. I haven't I haven't checked out um, my best fiend yet, but I think I probably should have put more time between the Nosferatu's because watching the Werner Herzog version, I was just kind of like, okay, this is uh, almost beat for beat. You know, it was so similar. I was like, uh, it wasn't Psycho. It wasn't Gus Van Sant's Psycho, uh, beat for beat, mm-hmm. but it was still still very very similar. So I wasn't that into oh. it. 
Uh, I checked out this South Korean film called The Chaser from Na Hong Jin. Uh, this is a really highly regarded thriller, um, and I liked it. I didn't love it, but I did like it. There's so many like serial killer versus cop movies out there in the world. There's just like so fucking many of them. But this one was interesting because the cop was a detective who had, or yeah, I guess detective who had gotten fired for being dirty. Then he became a pimp, and he's like looking for like someone who like potentially killed or done has done something with like his prostitutes so he's like a shitty guy and so it was uh it was interesting it was definitely worth checking out and it also made me think like because as i'm watching the movie i'm like man i hope this is not representative of south korea's police force because these are a bunch of keystone cops this is awful <laughs> and then it start made, made me start thinking of like you know there's so many like cops gotta be like the most overrepresented profession within american film i wonder what people think of american cops and how like divorce from reality that probably is so i don't know i got a kick out of it you know what really impressed me this week though i had never seen 2015's ron howard film in the heart of the sea dude i wish i'd seen it in theaters i love a good period piece there's not enough there's not enough movies from the early 1800s it's uh uh it's not just the whole whaling and Moby Dick connection. Cause that's kind of what's going on, but it's also about the Essex and the survival. Like I love 19th century survival stories and all that stuff. And I, and the Essex is one of the longest, um, like, you know, trapped at sea, stuck at sea kind of stories from the 19th century. It was really fucking good. It's entertaining trying to get, uh, trying to watch Chris Hemsworth nail down something approaching an American accent. That's just hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand like period pieces, how they're like, Hey, um, so it's 19th century America. Let's get Irishmen and Aussies and British people all to play them. Because, of course, Americans had British accents in the eight. No, they fucking didn't. Like, why? Give them a Nantucket accent. What are you doing? I don't know. That's just a pet peeve when it comes to 19th century American films. They're always like throwing Kentucky. British accents on them. What's that? Kentucky. Come on. Kentucky. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. That, yeah, that, I, I always no. just skipped it because I just assumed it was like bad. Like I don't know where I heard that, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm going back. I don't know why I assumed that either. It looks great. Mm-hmm. The action's intense. The 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 drama of it is good. Um, I really liked it. Cool. Okay. So wow. there you go. So you feel good about that then? I do, Michael. I do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, heart of the, I love Ron Howard here. I'm, I think I'm the biggest Ron Howard fan of the show, are. I, I believe. Hmm. And I would like that's Chris Hemsworth, and that was also during the uh, Black Hat period, which people shit on, which he did with Michael Mann. So Hemsworth was going big Rush. around that period with Mann and Rush. Howard and Rush. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I loved Rush. Rush was I, I Rush, think Rush was a couple years before that, but Rush is great. Yeah, I love Rush. So. Yeah, that was like 2012. Yeah. 13 maybe i want what is the i guess i just want to know what's the fascination with these particular survival stories of that period since it's a harsher world and it's more difficult to survive in so um when i was in my grad doing my graduate work i I was like most most good historians like they know exactly what they're doing when they start the program i'm like i got all this stuff i want to do and there is a hot minute where i was really interested in cannibalism and survival stories and i just find that the the extremes that humans will go to can go to to keep themselves alive in the most impossible situations i find it just absolutely inspiring and amazing so i got really deep you know every i read all of these that shit from the 19th century in particular like everything i could about 
survival cannibalism and survival uh, with no water and survival at sea all that shit just finds i just find it fascinating i'm watch, i started watching yellow jackets recently too also i'm digging that lady fingers they taste just they like, taste lady, like fingers. lady fingers <laughs> that could be the <laughs> yeah, i love that stuff wow. all right that's good to know see we're learning more about travis even yeah. after all these years yeah. i've known him for a while but you as the viewer and listener that was a nice piece of history based on Mr. Travis's life. There you go. I really enjoyed that. All right. Fun cannibalism. And now you know the rest of this. <laughs> Fun fresca cannibalism. cannibalism. Come on. I heard a fresca really washes down those cannibal treats. <laughs> when I'm eating uh, my shipmates, I, I count on a fresh <laughs> fresca. <laughs> Eric, what have you been watching this week? Uh, yeah, single white female. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, again. Again. <laughs> I mean, you got to think for Bridget Fonda, don't you? Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah, she's she might be on like my top five of all time. I don't know about recently. We won't get into that, but uh, yeah, single oh. white female. What? Single white female. It's it's so bad. It's awful. It's horrible. But it's fun. It's fun. And I love Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, Stephen Tabloski pops in. Uh, yeah, so stupid but fun. Barbie Schroeder is like the sleaziest like director of like the early nineties. Um. Yeah, Gone in the Dark. I gave this Winona Ryder thriller a shot because Winona Ryder is my all-time favorite actress, so I hit play immediately. I spent the $5. 2022 film, Eli Har uh, Eli Horowitz. I never heard of him. I gave it a chance. Good cast. Dermot Moroney, John Gallagher Jr. I'm, I'm, you know, I hit play. Not good. Not good. It's like a thriller where this couple goes to this cabin in the middle of nowhere, and it's occupied, and weird stuff happens, but not weird enough for me. Uh, wasn't that good. A little tepid. Uh, can't give it the recommendation. Uh, nor can I recommend um, that darn cat from 1965. <laughs> found itself being played at my house, I and uh, that one it's horrible. It was, uh, it was it's awful. It was assault <laughs> on my senses. I don't know how this got made. What what is this? How is this a movie? I don't know, was but I know it was 60 it was, years. Yeah, it was the kind of movie that, like when I was a kid, it was wasn't like, hey, you'll like this movie. It was like, we'll let you watch this movie. I'm like, all right. <laughs> 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 when I was really young. Bizarre, oh. yeah. Sixties, like sixties Disney's live action movies oh. were so fucking like all the faces are like so obnoxious and annoying. Like it's they're so weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I gotta tell you, man, that, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You're bit, saying that is, they do not sorry? hold up, is what you're saying. Disney no, in awful. the sixties. Okay. Well, I do like. Uh, well, that's eighties. I like those Witch Mountain films uh, a lot. Yeah, I, I love Return to they got Oz. Their shit together. Oh no, I oh, love um, Swiss Family one? Robinson. I, I adore, yeah. and I think that's early '60s. And Robinson Crusoe was also good then. But then something happened. They came with these bonkers, really dumb bananas movies that were so stupid. Computer War Tennis Shoes. These fucking dumb Kurt Russell movies. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> Uh, okay, that, fine. That was the dark days of Disney when they couldn't get funding for animated film, so they were relying on live action movies for the most part. <laughs> yeah, shit. It was I better than it. the uh, wartime propaganda that got rape that they did during World War II. At least there's a story here. Yeah, that's... <laughs> uh, Travis, going back to your fascination with the oh. survival story. Oh, okay, yeah. Off the cover think... wants to know thoughts on the Revenant. So I had um, learned in history quite a bit about Hugh Glass in mm -hmm. particular as a person. So I was really interested. I didn't read the book that The Revenant was based on, but I had read some of the other stuff around 
Q Glass, just not that specific book. Uh, so I was pumped for it, and uh, it's uh, perhaps on my short list for the <gasps> podcast. Damn. Perhaps what? it has been for about two years. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. I tell you what, that I definitely saw that movie in the theater. I remember seeing it in the theater with my brother, and I was really excited because, you know, it was right after... It was real quick after Birdman had come out, too, you know? Mm -hmm. Inuritu had just come right back out with another movie with Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy, and you're like, whoa, yeah. wow, this is impressive. So it was... I haven't really watched it since that theater viewing, though. Me I neither. I've <laughs> only seen it once. That opening, though, I mean, that's always going to stick out to me. It's one of those all-time openings. It's a great opening. It's right yeah. there, Saving Private Ryan. It's, it really is. It's legendary. Absolutely. I agree with that. I, th I just think it says something about... Maybe the rewatchability. I I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe if it hits the show again, I'll be we'll something. Do it. Does it hold up or not? And Travis, uh, I'll be down if you do it. I'll support it and I will watch it. But I felt like I had to watch it too because I there was so much buzz about it too. I want to make sure I watched it once. So if people reference it in society, I can be like, oh yeah, yeah I remember that. He ate that. Yeah, I heard he ate that raw meat, that raw yeah. organ, that raw there's buffalo a, heart. There's organ. all that buzz that Leonardo DiCaprio had actually given up his whole life. He died just to make that movie. <laughs> <laughs> then came back to life as a revenant. You <laughs> got a special access portal in Hollywood and you're allowed to die for a while. Mm -hmm. Give it all up and you get one chance to come back. So <laughs> Damn. wow. Like heaven could wait with Warren Beatty. Exactly I know like we that. all love Warren Beatty here. Right, so. right, exactly like that. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I was I was proud of myself. I got Leanne to sit down and watch Contact with me after we did Contact last oh, week. Okay, I was like, Leanne, I really wanted you to watch this with me so we could talk about it, and she did. And she kept saying before we watched, "Is this scary? Is this scary movie?" She just like oh. I don't I don't love scary movies, but she's like gonna flip out like ah. So. Uh, <laughs> No, it's not scary. It's just about life and stuff, and I thought it'd be fun. So, anyways, uh, that was great. I'm glad we got to do that. Oh, Russell's here. What's up, buddy? How you been? Hey, buddy. Russell, the gift master of the Cinema 9 podcast. That's Guys, right. this pod is exactly my tempo tonight. Yeah. Oh, like the... oh, that's... He's saying it's, it's not great. not his tempo. That's great. Not, not, <laughs> not quite my tempo. Not, not quite. <laughs> you got my jacket. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I should have. I can't believe I always wear black shirts like every day. I can't believe I didn't wear a black T-shirt today. Anyways, well, you uh, shave your head. <laughs> yeah, well, I've done, I think, there's actually some videos. I think I did. I buzz cut it last year during the COVID thing. Anyways, uh, we watched Contact, so I'm glad me and Leah hmm. got to do that and hmm. talk about life and stuff and like the world and existence beyond. I got really deep into like a lot of Neil deGrasse Tyson videos and kind of checking in on where we are lately with the. Uh, life on other planets and all that such fun uh neil degrasse tyson is pretty clear he thinks absolutely uh, like we're all made of such similar materials according to him materials be, yeah materials <laughs> like mcdonald's <laughs> yeah that's mm. produced that makes sense <laughs> yeah well, we're <laughs> so common our our elements that we're based on are so typical that he'd be shocked that there's not other life forms somewhere out there yeah yeah stuff like that which that's is cool yeah it is cool um but then, you know, other than that, uh, I get it's just the lifestyle I'm living right now. And Canadian Netflix, slightly different than American Netflix, but hmm. still similar. Um, like they don't have, they have a lot of the same stuff. You know, you can watch Mom, the TV show from CBS starring Allison Janney and yeah. Anna Ferris, if you mm -hmm. choose, which uh, I did. I've seen some of that with Leanne. There's, it's pretty funny. There's worse sitcoms you can watch than Mom. Mm -hmm. There really yeah. is. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's not about bad. addiction and stuff. I was kind of surprised. It's um, not bad. It's not bad. See, that's actually a ringing endorsement for people who don't know Travis. That's that's a pretty high endorsement. It seriously is. For a sitcom, yeah. 
Yeah, for CBS, a network fucking sitcom. Yeah, that's blowing uh, braids for me. Yes, yes, I'm with you. But uh, I, I've been sticking on the documentary train still. I guess the the mm. algorithm has me locked in right now. And okay. man, I watched Bad Vegan, which is just a, heard of it. Holy cow, man! It's not what you think it is necessarily. It's not necessarily a clear tell of here's what happened and this is why it happened. It leaves you wondering, again, it's one of these where it's like the person who's the victim, are they the victim, though, in this case? It's not clear. It's really not. And it's about somebody who had all this success and then just like (laughs) ghosted society in a way that someone might ghost somebody on Tinder or something. It's But except they ghosted like a whole restaurant of people (laughs) who relied on their... Really interesting stuff and the manipulation that people will go through and they're willing to do to people, I find wild. And the last part of it is this, what people will believe. People who you would think are intelligent beings, they'll believe stuff about new age crystals and all this stuff that is ethereal in nature and mysticism. People who are in high positions in terms of the success they've gained Believing things that you just wouldn't believe somebody would believe, even like in a typical average Joe or Jane would believe. So it wasn't what I thought it was. And I strongly recommend Bad Vegan if you're into documentaries. It's three episodes, so it's about, I don't know, it's about two and a half hour watch, I think, overall. You know, Mike, you've been watching a lot of documentaries lately, and I feel like there's a running theme of like bamboozlement that you seem to be really fascinated by of late. Like they're someone, all about bamboozlement. Yeah, that, that's it. It's a bunch of bamboozling. I, I would like to watch one where someone's not bamboozled. I mean, what else is the documentary about in the end? It seems like um, it's always about. I thought teacher, it was, no one's bamboozled oh. in my octopus teacher. Oh. oh my god, I I actually bought that and I never watched it. What I really Except remember maybe the octopus, the, but it's on Netflix. I but I bought it because you were so glowing about it last year, and I was so moved by what you said about it. And I was like, I you bought watch it and this. then didn't watch it. Did I watch it? You'd remember. I did watch it. Was it was was it about like a guy on the beach and like his son was going into the water, like initially, and then like oh, they started going into the water more and they met this octopus eventually or a, a kid. Does that ring a bell about the, the, the octopus just teacher? the dad? I don't remember the son so much. It probably is a, a child. Son, I think I don't remember a child. the child. The child is if there's a child, maybe like at the beginning and end or something, but he's not like part of the journey of the documentary. I did watch it. I remember now. Yeah, I did watch it. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. No yep. bamboozling. Just water and, and and cephalopods. The relationship they developed with it's beautiful. With the, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. About that uh, movie we watched a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, off the cover says, "What is a woman?" Is a wild documentary. Not familiar. Hmm. What uh, is a woman? I don't know that. I don't know that one. What is a woman? More Presumably than a, woman? a human being. A uh, good woman is hard to find. Yeah, Good Women is Hard to Find is a movie I watched last year. That was good. All right. I don't know um, what is a woman. I'll try not to be bamboozled by my documentaries as much. I don't know why I'm getting hit with these bamboozlements. But, uh, man, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. There's, a, there's a thread there. <laughs> oh, wait, this person says, do not watch that, LOL. Well, I don't know how I'm confused. <laughs> I'm going to trust her, Pintara. I, I don't know <laughs> what it is. I have no idea what it is. Pintara. but I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what a woman is, and... I don't need <laughs> anybody from any side to try and tell me because I, I got it figured out. <laughs> you, you guys have been oh, around. Okay. Yeah, Travis, I, you've been around. I picked up a biology book. 
All right, there it is. Uh, that's what we've been watching. I really got to watch some more fictional films for sure when I get the chance. By the way, I just looking up on IMDb, what is a woman? And this looks like some like serious political bullshit stuff that I would never watch. Yeah. And I'm nope. going to agree with what that person just said. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rip and Tara or Tara. <laughs> <laughs> Although it does have a, and now see, but this is why you can't trust it. It's got an 8.6 on IMDb, but who's rating this? You know, yeah. it could be and a whole I, I group of assholes. Right. Right. I bet Dinesh D'Souza's or the 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 fake news is <laughs> I bet he's got it's, some He <laughs> might have him? a cameo. No, it's not, but it, it would feel this person's name is Matt Walsh. Oh dude, fuck that. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> oh, you know who that is? I don't know who Walsh. that is. Yeah. Um he oh. you know, he, he he trucks with Ben Shapiro and those types. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Not Matt Walsh, the uh no, no, no. Standing actor from the Groundlings? D- different Matt Walsh. Yeah, not no. Matt Walsh. Not Matt Walsh of the Daily Show fame and Veep. Yes, D- very different Matt Walsh. Classic character comedy actor. Love you, Matt Walsh. But not this Matt Walsh from this documentary is a douchebag. So okay, okay. On That's that what we note, today. All right. <laughs> hey, let's get into our main event then. It's time to focus in Cinema Nine Pod at gmail.com. Will you be the first emailer? We'll find out next week. We'd love to have your emails about anything you heard today. We're going to dive into the main event. I chose Whiplash for this week for our Does It Hold Up or Not segment. Hey, sorry, I'm late. Well, glad you could fit us into your busy schedule, darling. I know. Look, I'm sorry I'm late, but uh, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Connelly's playing the part. Yeah, like fucking hell he's playing my part. What the fuck did you just say to me? It's my part. It's my part, and I decide who to lend it to. Usually it's somebody that has fucking sticks. I left him in the car. I'll be right back. Take me five minutes. I'm warming up the band now. Look, I can use Ryan's sticks. Neiman, you lost the fucking part. No, I didn't. Look, you can't fucking do this to me. Can't? Yeah. When did you become a fucking expert on what I can or cannot do, you fucking weepy willow shit sack? I earned that part. You never earned anything. God, you are a self-righteous prick. The only reason you're a fucking core is because you misplaced a folder. The only reason you're in studio band to begin with is because I told you exactly what I'd be asking for in Nassau. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I'm in studio band because I'm the hey, best player. Hey, why don't player. you just back hey, off, bro. fuck off, Johnny Utah. Turn my pages, bitch. Hey, I can cut you any fucking time I want. You would have cut me by now. Try me, you fucking weasel. At 5.30, that's in exactly 11 minutes, my band is on stage. If your ass is not on that stool with your own fucking sticks in hand, or if you make one fucking mistake, one, I will drum your ass back to Nassau where you can turn pages until you graduate or fucking drop out. By the time you're done at Schaefer, you're gonna make daddy look like a fucking success story. Got it? Or we can let Johnny Utah play the part. You choose. That's my part. I'll be on your stage. Uh, I've been waiting to do this one because Eric, you know, basically not a secret that Eric was a big fan of this movie. Uh, I think you're, go ahead, right, Eric? You love this movie. Is that true? Yeah. I came out of the theater and literally grew wings out of my back and flew into the air, like singing gleefully the praises of it. Literally, this happened. I remember after you saw it, you you sent me a selfie where you gotten the word whiplash tattooed across your forehead. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's been since removed, but I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this was uh, Damien Chazelle's big breakthrough hit. Yeah. Eric sent us the short. Uh, there was a short that was done mm-hmm. based yeah. with J.K. Simmons and a lesser-known actor in the main role mm-hmm. uh, of the Neiman. Yeah, I know his, but I saw his face right away. I was like, "It's that kid, that guy." I kind of know that face, you know, but I don't know. His I didn't name. watch it. I didn't want to poison the well. I liked it. I liked. I didn't want 
contained. Oh, oh. I, I became very, you know, after I watched this, I, be, I wanted to like consume a lot of stuff and I wish I'd consume more commentary on this film, which we're going to talk about. Does it hold up or not? Whiplash 2014 starring J.K. Simmons, who won an Academy Award for his performance That's right. in this film. That's and Miles actor. Teller. Yeah, best supporting mm-hmm. actor. Miles Teller is the uh, young student. And this is a basically, I assume this is, it's called the Schaefer Musical Conservatory, but you know, yeah. Berkeley College of Music, shit like that. These really hardcore music schools that people try to get into, right? Falutin. They're falutin. Yeah, very falutin. Very, yeah. very high falutin. Certainly falutin at a minimum. Yeah, high falutin, yeah. likely. Yeah. Flutes there anyway. Yeah. So, also, uh, Paul Reiser is the dad in this movie. Of, yeah. Yeah. Paul Reiser. Yeah. The dad. Part of the beginning of the Reiser Sons. I love it. <laughs> oh man, dude, that's funny. That's I mean, funny. Stranger Things, The that's Boys, um, uh, the, the the show, the show with Michael Douglas on Netflix. What's escaping mm. me? The Kaminsky Method. Yeah. He's yeah. been okay. popping up in all kinds of stuff the last half half decade or so. I love to see it. Yeah, yeah Damien Chazelle gets full credit. Okay, oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's let's dive into this one. Whiplash. Travis, take us back. It's only eight years ago. So, do you remember seeing this film? I do. I remember seeing this film because Eric had texted me without any tattoos involved, but had just texted me and was like, was like, dude, you need to watch this movie. This is a great movie, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and of course it was also the fact, I mean, so it was partly that. And also then as now, if there's, if there's a film that has someone I'm remotely interested in it, like J.K. Simmons, who is nominated for Academy Award, I'm going to watch it, and that's when I watched it. It was when it had been. I think it was. I think it was when it was nominated, but hadn't been like a, you know, it hadn't he hadn't won yet, if I recall yeah. correctly. Because I remember watching it like around Christmas, and yeah, man, I was I was I was into it. I certainly liked it. I I remember being like, ah, I think that Eric may have over pitched it a bit to me, but <laughs> I, I I definitely Shit. I definitely liked it, and it's one that I've revisited since. I think last night watching it was probably the fourth or fifth time that I watched it. Wow. Ah, okay. Intense, uh, Eric. Dang. You clearly remember the first time you watched Whiplash. Yeah. Um. So I saw it when I was just hearing rumblings about being good. This was before the award season, and I was living in Chicago and. The great Brian Madison, who guested on our Devil in a Blue Dress episode, came to town to visit us, and we wanted to see a movie. So we checked the whatever you check, and in 2014, <laughs> and uh, we movie we just took, we took out a chance. We took a chance on it. We're like, we don't know what the what it was even about. We just heard good things. So we went. It, it was one of the uh, yeah. I'm I man. My hype was probably through the roof, draft, but like uh, Travis, but like. I'll never forget the experience. I like I remember sitting in the theater just looking over at Brian and Ange after it was over. We couldn't move. Like we were stunned. And like when we got out of the theater, we were all like seriously thinking about going back in and just watching it again. Like like two or three of us all we 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 seriously thought about just going back in like we just got off a fucking roller coaster. Uh yeah, loved it so much. I've seen it many many times since. Wow. What, what, what? Oh. Uh, you know, unfortunately, when this movie came out, do you remember when it came out in the year? Do you guys remember? 2014. Oh, like when oh. during the year? It was, yeah, it was October, like, I think. Like fall? I uh, think. That sounds right. It feels like fall. Anyways, uh, you know, uh, at this point, I was kind of like, uh, I was kind of half in, half out of the bag with my opioid problems. and But I would still watch a lot of movies. That was definitely a part of my routine. So I'm a little hazy on exactly... I didn't see it in the theater, but I remember all the rumblings. People say, oh, uh, like guys like Eric and everybody else saying, you got to see this movie. Uh, so yeah. I definitely definitely saw it 
I feel like I saw it the comfort of my own abode, though. And, you know, I remember feeling really uncomfortable after I'd watched it. Hmm. And, hmm. <laughs> you know, it was weird. You know, uh, <laughs> you know maybe, not, again, not to, I keep bringing up the Safdie brothers, it seems, lately, but not quite that level, but certainly it was a, it was a tough watch the first time I watched it, and I was like, is this movie good? J.K. Simmons, I mean, just, oh, oh, my God. I remember feeling so strongly about that, but the rest of it, I was like, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't feeling it, and I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it certainly had me feeling uncertain about what I'd watched. I do remember that. Anyways, uh, that was my first watch, and I didn't want to watch it again, but that's why we get into the scores here. We're going to do the reviews. What is the IMDb score, folks? What do you guys think oh, it is? Shit. Wait, real quick. So was yesterday only the second time that you watched it? I think it was the third. I watched it yeah. one other time in like 2017. Okay. I'm, I'm going to guess that the, the, the that's highly rated. Um, oh, yeah. People people seem to like this movie. I don't know that it's quite in the eights territory. I'm not sure enough <gasps> people still have put eyes on it at this point. And uh, so I'm going to say high seven. I'm going to say 7.8. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say like eight point six. Yeah, it feels just because we know what happened, and you know, La La Land came out a year later, and it was lauded, and people love Damien Chazelle. It feels like so. I feel like this is like an eight one. I do feel like it's an eight one. Survey says, wow, eight five. Eight five. Oh, that's, that's really good. Dang, that is yeah. That's, that's like that's yeah. like all time. It's boring. It's creeping up on nines. That's that's all time status. Yeah. So. This might be yeah, among really the highest IMDb scores of the films that we've done. And maybe mm-hmm. RoboCop and Back to the Future yep. might rival it, but uh, yep. this is pretty high. Beep, 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 beep. Should, 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 should. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Explain that's a throwback the to the Robo- listeners. The throwback to the RoboCop uh, oh, yeah. episode should, we did. Should, the video should, game. Should, should. <laughs> The video game of RoboCop. He sounds like he's saying shit over and over again. For the arcade version in the arcade, I swear that's what it sounded like. You, you murdered someone as RoboCop. Shit, that's what it sounded like. I swear. Go back and watch videos on YouTube. People have videos ha- of them on YouTube. It's, it's, it does. It sounds like not- he's saying shit over and over again. Yes. <laughs> After that we makes did you that feel RoboCop, so good. once oh, in a while. Yeah. After we did that RoboCop episode, I definitely had to check that out. Sure enough, yep. Yeah, shit, shit, shit. Shit, shit, Oh, okay. So as far as uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is a, you know, it's a lovely place. It really is. It's a sure. place where you can rate your movies. And uh, obviously Andrew they're all tomatoes. legit, right? There's no. Uh, yep. No manipulation <laughs> there, I mean, surely. No, no, no. <laughs> you can argue about whether a tomato is a fruit or a vegetable. And, uh, what is a know, woman? Just go to yeah, town man. there. But yeah. what is a woman? <laughs> I do love the Bee Gees. Still haven't watched that Bee Gees doc, though, that Eric oh, wanted me so to watch. Good. It's so good. It's supposed to be great. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. It's, uh, Great reviews. I need to see that. Oh, good. Anyways, 94 even split, guys. Dead heat from both wow, sides. That's great. That's top notch. How often? Yeah, how often do we get a movie where it's, whether it's shitty or amazing or middle of the road, it's equal on both sides at 94. That's 94. That's awfully that's high. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as what the critical reviews say, uh, will Destin Thompson chime in on this one? I really hope he does because... I think this is post Destin. Destin was deep in uh, he was he was deep in the Obama administration at this point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Obama, Obama, Obama? He was writing speeches instead of writing movie reviews, which is lofty. How short were his honest. speeches? <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's funny. I can't, uh, have we not made that joke before? Because that's good, really funny. I don't know, good Dustin right Thompson there. humor for all those hardcore Dustin Thompson fanatics. <laughs> yeah. Just like us. <laughs> We're not joking. <laughs> uh, we're not kidding at all. We no, love we're Destin. Not kidding. We love here. him. Yeah. This isn't ironic in any way. Destin, you have an <laughs> open invite on the show anytime Forever. you want it, all the time you want it, my friend. Forever staying. Although we're not friends, but I would call you my friend uh, if you let yeah. me. <laughs> uh, a dog sit. A dog sit. A cat sit. You know? Hug him. <laughs> We got a lot of reviews uh, and from a lot of names I don't recognize because this is a newer film. So usually we have like some of the classics, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not seeing a uh, goody coons. He's I'm not around. Bill, so. old Bill might be Honeycutt. there. Right? Owen Gleiberman's always fun. No. Uh, yeah, no Honeycutt either. Oh, uh, I'm how about uh, we'll go Wesley Morris? Sometimes Wesley Morris, I do. From yeah. this was at Grantland in the time in 2015. The movie swings physically, <laughs> musically, psychologically, racially. Yeah, racially, I love the movie. Stopped uh, racially. It's very white. It's a very white film. There are some definitely black dudes in the studio band. Um, there's one Asian woman in his later band, but there. This is predominantly a white film. Perhaps that's okay. what you're referring to, I guess. By the way, I put the question mark because it's a period. Yeah. I was, no. I read that as a question mark, so sorry. Uh, I think I mean, that's the only thing I can okay. think of. I mean, it doesn't really the movie doesn't address race, but maybe that's his point. Is that uh, is that it's a kind of a white? But movie? He says swings. It swings in all those manners. I don't. I, this is like a, a hot wife. I'm kind like of that kind of scenario. What are we talking about? All right. My know. wife is not the issue here, dude. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, and we always love to get the Christian Science Monitor's opinion whenever oh, we can. Na- naturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peter Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says, Such a cooked up piece of claptrap that I half expected <laughs> Darth Vader to pick up the baton? <laughs> huh? Pick, oh, like, What's a claptrap? Uh, like trash. Like, oh, I'm clapping? Uh, no, no, no. It's like oh, okay. uh, claptrap's just like rubbish. Popcorn garbage? No, it just wow. means rubbish. I think it predates film as far as uh, terms go. Um, it is a uh, not a complimentary review. Sheesh. Is that what that? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, well. <sighs> Christian Science Fine. Monitor? They, they, they went back to monitoring science, I guess, and okay. they were done with. <laughs> Make sure no new information comes out or we'll be very upset. <laughs> Darth Vader's going to pick up a baton. That would be awesome if Darth Vader showed up with a baton. Man, I would love that. Well, uh, like my temple. He would throw the whole vibe <laughs> of the film off. <laughs> Tempo jokes are funny. Uh, boy, just a lot, of, a lot of red tomatoes, though. I mean, people love this movie, so oh, yeah. it's very popular. Uh, Rafer Guzman of Newsday said, primarily two actors <laughs> and a jazz score. But the result is a crackling good drama that feels almost like a thriller. Smart, stylish, and intense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah. I mean, people love it. It's just overwhelming approval for this movie. A lot of red tomatoes, so you get the gist. We only read the Christian Science Monitor review mainly because it was somewhat negative. Oh, Billy Goody Coons, here we go. Yay! Oh, Bill. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Bill. Bill says... Simmons is always good. Here, he is great. His brilliant performance is, if not the single best of the year, certainly among them. Oh, man. It's hmm. so good. I would. It's so yeah, good. I mean, I think that's a good point to switch it because I, 
it's, it gets like all the pub with this movie. His performance, he won an Academy Award, and he's clearly a strong, powerful presence in Whiplash. So is it is it properly rated or is it a little overhyped? Is he too over the top of this movie or is this what he should be all the way? I mean, it's not exactly a two-hander, but there really is. I mean, this is a this is two main characters that we're watching. And so he's 60 per, or rather 40% maybe of the film or so he's in it. He's a big deal. Um, he is magnetic. Um, how can I put this? But still, I mean, like, you you know a lot of it is improv. So there's a lot of it he's kind of doing, you know, he's, it's, in, it's, it's himself. But, like, it almost, I don't want to say it's easy because I sure couldn't do it. And he deserves an Academy Award for it that he got. But at the same time, like, I think that, I think that what Miles Teller is doing in this movie was probably harder to not, to not be kind of funny and yelling and like, what are you doing private pile kind of the whole time? And like, you mm -hmm. know, barking and kind of have kind of one note for the most part. There's some other things, but like, I think that what Miles Teller has to navigate emotionally in this film is more complicated. Yeah. Mm. Um, I did overlook Miles Teller for many years. Uh, he's, he's fucking fantastic in the movie. Uh, and he carries it. I mean, you imagine another 24-year-old kid being able to carry the weight of this role? Uh, it would be a tough sell, man. So God bless the kid who was in this short film, but uh, I'm really glad they got Miles Teller because he, he just continues to impress me over and over and over again. Um, he really needs to do a Rock Hudson biopic. I think he'd be perfect for that. Uh, <laughs> but other than, other than that, J.K. Simmons, I kind of hear what you're saying, dude. He... He is a little one note. There are flourishes or we get maybe some backstory or maybe some hidden intention or agenda here and there. But yeah, it's it's cartoonish. Um, I don't want to be harsh because I think it's great. But Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, I think my big problem with the character of Fletcher is that he's too funny. Like, I don't want to be laughing at all these insults. And I was, and then after I laughed, I'd be like, Oh fuck, I did that. I'm not supposed to laugh. I'm supposed to feel bad for everyone. Maybe a mistake. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess maybe it's just that now where we are in time, the, uh, the performance has become kind of legendary that Simmons gives here. So I don't even know if it's fair to really find a clarity on how, over the top it is, or if it's too one note. I mean, he has to be a prick, a, a massive prick for this movie to work because maybe that's what bothered me yeah. about the first viewing of the movie is that it was, what was I supposed to take from it? I mean, obviously it's supposed to be about like, the drive, the will, how far is, will you go? Is it a shitty okay. life lived if you're just willing to be an average person? Maybe that's what bothered me the most about it, I guess. I felt uncomfortable because I like, looked at my own life, like, what am I not doing what I should be doing? <laughs> Well, I think it's. I, th I think he doesn't just have to be a prick for the movie to work. I think that it's it's character motivation. I mean, he he thinks that he is a crucible. He is he is the pressure on the coal to create diamonds. He he thinks literally. He says multiple times that he's creating Charlie Parkers by throwing symbols at their heads. So that's what he thinks he has to do. Like he's gonna he's gonna weed out the chaff by by making those who can be discouraged quit. So this is his worldview. Is it right or wrong? That's a separate issue. But this is like what motivates him. Yeah, um, that's a big part of it. He, yeah, he says he's 
His goal is to uh, push people beyond what's expected of them. Yeah. And that, I mean, th that's a, a fair philosophy if done right. Uh, the movie gets compared to, in fact, there's a joke, Full Metal Juilliard, because it gets compared so often to Full Metal Jacket. But what the gunnery sergeant is doing there, he's he's supposed to create animals. He's, he's there to create killers. Uh, so the humor you can laugh at, um, not only because it's so far away from the conflict, but because there is kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing there. There shouldn't really be here. That's why some of the humor does bother me. But um, yeah, they build an incredible villain here. I mean, you hate this prick. I mean, to create a villain that you 100% despise is tough for any script writer. Especially because he's, you can he's very human i think he's not cartoonish i think that when we we see that he is genuinely upset that sean casey has killed himself um and then the way that he takes it out on people and basically does to them what he had done to him like he he clearly has like this really warped thing where he think i think he believes that he's helping people but also very clearly like as we see when he walks in and he holds his hand there you know and waiting they're all eyes trained on it until he moves it He's a gatekeeper and he loves the power because he doesn't like he his time has passed. He's not some up and comer, but he is a gatekeeper and he has he loves the power that he has over these people. Yeah, man, <sighs> Mike, I love that scene when they taught the the whole Sean Casey stuff. Um, I sat there and thought about it. I'm like, damn, is there a glimmer of of something in Fletcher that I like? I, I was touched by the way Simmons played that scene where he plays the song. And then the more I thought about it, he's he's probably just angry that the kid died before he be, could become a name, wherein he would become his own name for being his mentor. And that's probably why he's pissed. Otherwise, he would just be like, this pussy just killed himself. He's a, he was yeah. a heartless turd. Or what about the time when uh, that friend of his, I guess, brings his little daughter there backstage before they go on for the performance? And he's, you're going to play in my band when you go to college, little girl. And he looks so yeah. kind and sweet to this girl. And then, he, hey, thanks for coming, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, big hugs, bro. Cool. Yeah, let's party right. afterwards. Like, someone's this guy's friend? This guy has friends? <laughs> and the, like, do you think? Okay, so when he loses his job, when he's ousted mm -hmm. from the Schaefer. Okay, there's a couple details in this movie where you're like, okay, this had to happen this way. It's for the script. It happens like, oh, what do you know? He just happens to walk into the jazz bar after he got this legendary professor slash music teacher fired, which is Fletcher. And then he, they have this meeting, a discussion, and they get to talk outside of the classroom dynamic for once. And do you think that he had changed at all from that moment? Or do you guys read him as the same asshole because of what he does afterwards to Neiman? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's the same asshole. I mean, like he's he's actually in some ways more predatory because he knows mm -hmm. when he sees Andrew that like that it's him that that reported him and rightly so, by the way. Um, so he he's he, <laughs> he, he said right, so we're cool with that. That's a good point, actually. So we're all oh, cool. With yeah. This. Yeah. I mean, what, what what Fletcher does is straight up abusive. That's abusive. He's literally smacking Neiman in the face at one point. Like That's true. It, not to mention like emotionally abusive and like hate speech. Um, like harassing people for their sexuality and their and their ethnic backgrounds and shit. He he is way way out of line. He has no business doing that job, and um, <laughs> he definitely like he is zeroed in on like he doesn't let Neiman get out, get out the door. He literally would have had to, like get up from that piano and like race across 
to get to Neiman to, to stop him. And then he feeds him this whole line because there really is this really important group of people they're going to be playing in front of. And he, and he doesn't know that Neiman has given up drums. So he wants to burn him down in front of these people. Oh, but Neiman's got a trick up his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that scene at the nightclub for so many reasons. Like when I see Fletcher sitting at the piano playing a lovely piece, um, he comes off very to complex me as, though. Looks pretty he, easy to play, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he comes off as someone who would be pissed that they have to uh, like teach high school instead of just like he berates Andrew's father oh, yeah. for, or makes fun of him for. I mean, that's him now. Uh, I I think he is in, in it makes him sick to be in that jazz club so yeah he relishes that opportunity to to fucking get back at andrew and there's come on there's no way this guy wouldn't have been fired like how many years ago like how long has he been working at this place there's no way he'd he, still be there but he is a kingmaker and there are like look at what scott rudin just got fired from whatever studio he was a part of uh good point very recently Tony. there are there yeah, are yeah. legends in businesses legends in businesses and you get yeah. the sense that he is a real kingmaker in this field and that if he picks you i mean that's that's what everyone's literally like waiting that they're going to be picked out by him just so they can get a chance to get treated by like shit by him so he, yeah yeah i think that he like what goes on behind cl closed doors schaefer is okay with that so long as he keeps on producing um, these heroes of the jazz world or whatever. Mm, Schaefer's complicit. Fuck Schaefer. <laughs> yeah, th so let's talk about that. Because when you made your point there, Travis, about this guy's abusing people, we're like, oh, it's also not high school. This is a a hardcore, next-level, higher education school where the reputation, I assume, would be, hey, you got to be the best of the best, and they're going to weed out people. I mean, it's not like Fletcher had just shown up there and started teaching, right? So is it fair to say that we have to assume that everybody at the school, not just the students, because they know they've lived it, but everybody who works there or runs the school knew this guy was a prick, so they were cool with it as long as nobody got bitchy about it. Yeah, no, I think so. <laughs> and I is it allowed? Is it accept? You said abuse is not acceptable, but like there are these worlds, these areas of our society where it's a, you're allowed to cross these lines because it's about the pursuit and it's about what you're willing to sacrifice to give it up, like in the military and shit like yeah. that. Well, I mean, in our country, the United States of America, um, until fairly recently, people universally hit their children. Until very recently, teachers hit other people's children. Sure. It's really only in the past generation or two or three that that kind of stuff has gone away. And people now are like even, you know, are not accepting stuff that they would have accepted 10, 20 years ago in terms of how they're treated at work. Like people like dehumanizing uh, someone is just no longer viewed as like oh that's just how the cookie crumbles it's like no you are not you don't deserve this position and i guess one of the main questions i have about this film is do fletcher's methods work because ultimately he does carve a bird out of out of andrew neiman but this scene that i, I keep on coming back to is the scene where i forget the name the name of the kid but he he's like someone's out of tune who's out of tune mm -hmm. and he finally oh, like bullies Mets. Yeah, he, he bullies Mets out of the out of the lineup, and then he says it wasn't Mets, it was Erickson. But Mets didn't know that he was out of tune, which was worse. But he didn't check to see if Erickson knew that he was out of tune or not. It was completely and utterly a moment to try and deliberately just to bully this kid out to see if he could. So, like that, you know, it's that's he, he's not. If he can produce a bird by these methods, it's because it's Charlie Parker, not because it's Jones with a symbol. 
Uh, Mike, you'll like this. I was reading about uh, Mike Rice, Rutgers University basketball coach. Yeah, that guy got fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 2013. He is fucking shoving, pushing, screaming at these kids uh, playing college basketball. And they they Candace ass. And, and thank thank God, dude, it's 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 just not cool. I mean, I wrestle with this question, too, man, all day. I'm like, do these ends justify the means? Um, is is he creating the genius or is this genius innate? Yeah, um, Bobby Knight was a huge name, by the way. Bobby Knight, like. There was this guy at Indiana for decades who was known across the country in mm-hmm. a, beyond basketball for just being a yeah, yeah. huge belittler and abuser of his players. But he won two national titles. And so people are like, oh, well, that's good. Good Brian Dennehy biopic, too, if I'm remembering. Yeah, that. ESPN did that. I remember that one. Not bad, Dennehy. That was pretty <laughs> solid. Right. Hair need to be a little whiter, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's like this price we're willing to – or some people are willing to pay. and This real – this is what I got out of the movie this time a lot more was this being a great person versus being a great or just being a person who's happy with the people in their life yeah. and they're just willing to just, you know what? I don't give a fuck what my corner of the world is. It's my little corner of the world and I don't need to be a part of this machine that hero worship shit, you know? Yeah, that that friend of the family mm-hmm. or uncle, whatever he is, tr- tries to tell Andrew, like, you know, friends and family, like, this is what this is what the purpose of life is. Like, this is... This is how you do oh, it, right? The dinner it, it, scene, and he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, uh, yeah. "I don't need friends," you know. Like Charlie Parker didn't have friends, but that kind of brings me to another point because I'd like to kind of get off Fletcher for a bit and get on on Andrew. Andrew clearly is like on the spectrum, right? I mean, he he can't make eye contact with people. He can't maintain friendships. He's eavesdropping from a distance. He's not like, he's not like hardcore on there, but he he he's clearly like he's a special dude in that in that sense, and um his genius is his own. Like there's a reason why he's able to focus and do all that stuff. I firmly believe that he would have gotten to where he was going to go with or without Fletcher's help. But it is pretty clear by the end of the film, especially when he's doing that drum solo, that amazing drum solo that Fletcher's influence has really had a huge profound effect on his style. It sped up the timeline. That's fair to say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's it right there. Fletcher so. sped up this, yeah, the speed with which he would go on that path. But we also go back to the part where that lawyer shows up that the dad brings in after mm-hmm. what happens with uh, Andrew. Which, by the way, I just got—I thought it was a little bit over the top that he he gets in a car accident and like we get the metaphor here that like this guy will go through hell and back to be the drummer and stay in his position. But I, when he gets into the car accident and he still gets out of the car and he goes into the performance, I just thought that was first off. Have you ever been in a car accident? That one in particular, like that? That was a, a direct collision. That wasn't like a fender bender. I thought that was a little absurd, uh, in my opinion. But I, I get your point. Maybe having a direct T-bone and the car flipping was a tick much. But otherwise, I think it's pretty dead on. He, he, he very shortly before that broke up with his girlfriend, who was like the only source of any happiness and like actual happiness as opposed to like purpose in his life. Um, and his dad. So. But I mean... So I, I did kind of get that 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 drive level is there. And also, like, we need to see him crash and burn. And we need to know that, like, both that there were circumstances that were beyond his control, but also his ego did that to him. Like, if he had just accepted, like, I fucked up. I left the sticks. I should I should have, um, you know, gotten my dad to drive. I should have done something. You know, I should have figured out a different ride than fucking public transportation. But he couldn't <laughs> do that. 
Okay, yeah, I, that's I fair. I don't know, dude. When me and Jed cartwheeled his car and we were all banged up and like 200 feet from the road, we went straight to Corey's and played Ocarina of Time all night. It didn't bother us. We were all good. <laughs> oh my God, we were just talking about Ocarina of Time earlier on my other show. That's weird. Okay. Uh, but my point before I brought up the car accident was going back to what Travis was saying about Andrew being on the spectrum. And when the car accident happens and he gets expelled from the school after attacking Fletcher, uh, the lawyer says that the kid had killed himself, his mm-hmm. previous student, not died in a car wreck, and it was because he was anxious and, and depression. Anxiety yeah, and depression yeah. were a big part of his story, and that is part of Andrew's story, too. You mentioned the spectrum, Travis, but it's also these other oh, yeah. anxiety and depression. We don't know exactly what they are, but they're definitely some type of uh, antisocial disorder beyond the spectrum stuff, I think, too, mm-hmm. which is a key part of Andrew's story. That's why he's going to be who he is, because... He doesn't connect with people. So if Fletcher never showed up, it's just this guy on a solo drive because he doesn't interact with that many people in the first place. So all he's going to have is his purpose in his music. And, and I get that. And I'm with that. And I think the movie does, the movie doesn't shove it down your throat and t- either, which I, I like, I'm cool with that. Like, this is what he's got. This is what's going on with Andrew. It lets right. you put the pieces together. And I get movie kudos for letting us kind of, because that's what life is. It's not just like, here's everything's clear cut, the diagnosis of every single person you know, and yep. now you understand the story, let's <laughs> move forward. It's not like that. It's all chaotic. Um, Yeah. A- aside from maybe Simmons, in my opinion, incorrectly telling him to not worry about the other players, especially in jazz like what the fuck is that advice he's a drummer. um, um <laughs> like what do, like what does he teach these kids that this kid well not even kids that's a, kind of the thing too they're adults in a conservatory in a studio conservatory but what is he it could be their mid-20s them? even right like well, we don't know well, if they're not yeah, undergrads necessarily either but like we never really see him offer anything insightful other than like play it faster like i'm kind of missing <laughs> that well, maybe that's part of the point, because to me, it's really intentional that they chose a drummer, that Chazelle chose a drummer. The okay. drummer, as Mike, as you fully know, and Eric, you guys were both in bands as well. The drummer makes or breaks any band that they're in, more so than the composer who really just, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I know a lot about that world, but, like, to stand there and kind of, like, instruct tempo, the drummer is really going to be setting the tempo. Hmm. And so I think that's part okay. of the point. I think that there's there's more that can be said about what the, the dynamic between the two of them when it comes to like creators there are people that actually do the creating and then there's those that shepherd it through the producers etc like people like again gatekeepers that maybe don't actually do much beyond put their fingerprints on a project and then get to throw their name all over it and take the credit so i think that there is a lot being said about the dynamic between a composer and a drummer mm, yeah, those well are said. all great points um yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, Travis and I are teachers. Mike taught, and we know. I mean, it doesn't take long at all to realize that um, fear and humiliation are not g- good motivators by any means. Um, <laughs> that's why I kind of like that that uh, dinner scene with his family because they are, you know, they're they're pushing a bit, but they are trying to talk about the importance of of friendships and. A great motivator for a competitive field is peer pressure, maybe even, or at least good, solid peer relationships and healthy competition. Um, yeah, well, he's become pretentious, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, Andrew, ap- after that, 
in that scene, he shows you yeah, how pretentious I, he's become. I like that. I recognize. Yeah, I recognize it in him, and that's what makes it enjoyable for me as the the viewer. And I like how they do that very subtly. Even when his girlfriend talks about not knowing her major, he kind of smiles like, Shh, "You don't have your shit together," like Fletcher yeah. would to someone. Which I, you know, we were all nineteen once, and I think we know that that kind of attitude. But I think that you know this. To me, what this is mostly about is the striving for excellence and the sacrifices that must be made to do that. And Neiman makes every sacrifice possible. He preemptively gives up on having friends. He, you know, he he sacrifices his mental health. He sacrifices his, you know, relationship with his father. Almost, you know, like that's like one of the only things he will hold on to. So he gives up almost everything and and still get to this point where like circumstance and whatever causes him to get thrown out of the school. So I think there's a lot being said here about pushing for excellence and, and what that means, but uh, that we get to this drum solo that is, I mean, to have a movie build and build and build and that the climax is a drum solo. And it's not just that, I mean, like this is like, in the context of the rest of the film, because I mean, I I saw Neil Peart do a drum solo once. I'm like, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, but in the in the context of this movie, when that drum solo is going, and it goes from like the antagonistic nature between Fletcher and um, and Neiman, where it's like "fuck you," to Neiman actually telling Fletcher, "I'll tell, I'll cue you in," and then Fletcher finally surrendering his ego. And being like actually kind of sort of helping or like at least getting the fuck into it and recognizing that this is greatness before him. And this is what he's been waiting for for his whole career. But to get to this point, I got I mean, goosebumps are rising. Like I was literally on the edge of my seat, banging on my thighs like they're drums, fucking just so hyped about this drum solo which that is i think a really powerful thing for a filmmaker to do because i mean like a drum solo can be pretty fucking boring in reality <laughs> right? um but it, in the context of this film it is a triumph yeah it is it's you are fighting i fought myself watching that part of it where he totally sabotages Andrew in this big moment of opportunity that Andrew doesn't see coming. And he, his dad hugs him off stage. He walks off. And I, I keep wondering, though, I kind of wanted to see, hey, what's uh, what's he going to say there? What's Fletcher going to say after he walks off on stage? Was he going to have to, like, apologize like he did before? Like, I'm sorry, everybody. Who's going to play drums? Did he have a backup? I didn't see a backup either. These are side <laughs> notes. I guess not a huge deal. But I was curious about the semantics and situational... Uh, <laughs> writing of that but when he comes back out there and sits down and then he starts working with the bassist I f that bassist was being a dick to him but the i feel like the bassist would be a little bit more like fuck this guy this guy just looked like a total douche i didn't think he'd be that willing to dive into caravan with him but hey what do i know I, it's fascinating to see these two come together like you said travis as someone who shit on you so hard but yet you took their message to heart so hard. Fletcher shit on Andrew to the core, but the message of coming back no matter what, which is Fletcher's core message to him in the end, he absorbs fully, and it's realized in real time between the two of them in front of an audience in a piece with the most elite drumming you could ever hear. It's, it's nothing quite like it I can think of in a lot of movies, frankly. Can you guys? The Not only thing I can relate to is, sorry, Travis. The only thing I can relate that entire climax to is like the big game 
in like a like a, a sports movie, something like Hoosiers or something uh, that that needs that that rivalry, that head on, or a good boxing movie like fucking Rocky. Uh, it needs it. Um, one part of me kind of wishes Andrew was like, now you're the one that looks like an asshole. I just fucked up your show. Uh, I know I'm a good drummer. Fuck you. But the other part loves the fact that Andrew kind of smiles at Fletcher after all he's been through. Not because it makes Andrew like all of a sudden understand everything, but it, it just makes him more interesting because the kid, you know, he is he's still being played. This is all still for Fletcher's pride and ego, in my opinion. It's not about the music ever with Fletcher, in my opinion. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, of course, titled, entitled to your own opinion, as you well are aware. <laughs> but um, I, I think that what to me, what I find so triumphant about it is that he was ready to walk away with his career burned down the way Fletcher wanted and, you know, hug his dad. But then he remembered who the fuck was sitting out there. He's like, oh, they remember everything. I will go back there and give them something that they will not forget. And he takes control. He wrestles the reins completely away from Fletcher and the bass player and everybody else like. It's a live performance. The show must go on. They got to follow what the fuck is going on so it makes sense. This guy's the drummer. He's setting the, the tempo, literally. We got to follow along. So he completely proves to uh, to Fletcher that, hey, I actually have the power here. I actually have the talent and the control. So he he, he usurps that from the, this undeserving person in Fletcher and shows this entire audience of important people that he is one to keep an eye on. So I get the feeling when it's all over and done with, he's going on to much bigger and better things. What what is the scene look like between these two uh, after this show? What do you envision? The, where do you envision these two going? Just being like, fuck you, fuck you, good show, and that's it? Or do you see a mutual respect and a, a developing relationship? It's got to be, again, like the sports. There's coaches that, you know, players hated their coach, but they worked with them and they did – they achieved high success. So yeah. it had to be something like that where there's a resentment beneath it for Andrew, but he knows that he got this far, or at least he feels he got that far. I know we talked about whether Andrew would get there or not earlier, but without Fletcher, he'd probably think, eh, I'm not that guy. So I, yeah. you're a dick, you know, and I'm going to tell you, he's not afraid. I mean, he wasn't afraid to tell him shit to his face when his ego was on fire before he got kicked out during the car accident yeah. session. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I assume it'll be direct. It'll be a very blunt relationship, probably. I don't mm. see a relationship. I see I see a respect. And I think that at this point, you know, the gate has opened. Like Andrew has both kicked it open and in his excitement about what Andrew's doing, that, you know, in a way, Fletcher is opening it as well. He gave him this opportunity to perform in front of all these people. So I think Andrew's done with Fletcher after this. He doesn't need Fletcher after this. I think he's gonna get he's gonna go to the the Lincoln Center. He's gonna do he's gonna follow the path that he wanted to take. I think that he has at this point outgrown his teacher and that they're they would part on in this weird kind of like like respect warriors that had you know been in the trenches together kind of thing. Hmm. It kind of sucks that. Fletcher doesn't get his comeuppance because he's going to be honored by what he brought to this this audience in a lot of ways, I think. Kind of bums me out. Maybe, but I, I think that he knows that he lost control there, and he knows that Andrew saved that. Like, he he tried to tank Andrew, and instead Andrew created, like, a, a utterly memorable performance that those people will not forget. So someone who lied about 
a kid's death saying it was a car accident when it was actually suicide because he did not want it to reflect negati- negatively on his <laughs> teaching yeah, prowess. They would all be like, dude, you t- obviously you fucking killed him. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about um, the story and the actors. Uh, I'd, I'd, we'd be remiss to not get into Chazelle's direction. Um, oh I have God. never seen, I think in my life, such a clear and well used and maybe even almost simplistic but it works uh use of color the color palette in this film every single color has such specific meaning i mean every single color has a very specific hmm. meaning did you guys get okay. on this or no no, no. Right, can i can, let me walk you through some of this all right if you don't sure. give, give me a moment so the the film starts more or less and like andrew is he, there's this long green sick green hallway and then there's mm-hmm. andrew kind of practicing in this blue and white kind of steely blue and white space this is so blue and white is is like preparation like the 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 larval space stage almost mm-hmm. where green, okay. gr- the sick green is like the world he leaves he leaves the conservatory and just everything he com- comes across is like this sick sickly green terrible green awful green color uh, until he goes to the movie theater and he's with the girl and his dad. When he's with his girl and the dad, there's like this golden lush color. When he's practicing in with in the conservatory conservatory with the other with the group that he was like the practice group, the one before mm-hmm. the big band, it's all blue and silver and white. When he gets pulled into the conservatory into the studio band with the always dressed in all black Fletcher, um, you have this deep hues of gold again whenever there's family whenever he's doing what he wants to do with his um whenever he's like making music there's always like this gold hue when he's practicing there's a blood red blood red wall behind him he's playing on blood red drums and he's splattering blood literally red blood on the uh on this on the set and so whenever they're interacting like look for instance when um so uh neiman gives up on drums He's walking through the sick green streets of New York and he walks by this uh, street drummer and everything's lush and golden. And then he turns a corner. It's all green again. And he sees him deep, dark green. He sees Fletcher's name and he goes into the club and in the club, he has this conversation and through the whole conversation, there's this, you can see like gold and green on Fletcher, gold and green throughout. Like there's always like this play where like the real world is like this sick green color. And what he hopes for is, is uh, like this deep golden amber and then there's like and then there's like the, the blue and white of like trying and stuff it's it's some of the, it's some like probably the most clear use of color i think i've ever seen in film wow, wow. that's uh fascinating yeah. that's really cool i, I noticed yeah. uh i noticed color when he shoves his fist into the ice cold pitcher of oh, ice yeah. water when oh, he's bleeding that was cool i was like oh wow that's red yeah, and then I was like, "Would it bleed that much?" So I mean, it's just a blister. I mean, it's not like he's whatever. Who cares? Oh. It's metaphorical. Yeah, it is. I get that. Uh, yeah, his direction's great. I don't know. I mean, it seems to oh me like God. a first-time director also playing around at times. That's why I thought the car accident scene. It's like, oh, I want to do this shot, man. Like, okay, yeah, but it's good. It's not. It's not terrible or anything at all. It's really quality. He's clearly a master of the craft, as he showed when he did La La Land after this. He can do things with color, like you said, that are very, very vivid and fascinating. Yeah. He's also like the insert master. Like, how many insert shots are there in this movie? Like, you get like quarter of a second just shots of just blood on a lyric sheet or, or, uh, sweat off a symbol. Uh, yeah. and credit to Oscar winner Tom 
across is some of the best fucking editing I've seen since Woodstock 69. Uh, yeah, uh, I, dude, kudos also to Jason Reitman and Jason Blum of Blumhouse yeah, for yeah. spearheading the, the project after a, a, a Sundance win, but they kicked this into high gear, filmed it in 19 days, and just got it out there. And yeah, thank God for that. The script was on Blacklist, too. That didn't hurt. Mm. Oh, it was? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I figured, uh, you know, this was Miles Teller had done uh, Spectacular Now right before mm -hmm. this. He was yeah, sure. not a. Like that was like a nice start. That's a good movie, by the way. I like that movie. Uh, it's it's a teen movie, but it's not like a shitty teen mm -hmm. movie, you know. And okay. this was clearly his foray into the big time. And then, of course, <laughs> fucking nightmare. That's the Fantastic Four. The year after this was terrible. But oh boy, uh, never saw it. Yeah. Nice. Oh no! I mean, I, I'm just gonna say it's terrible without seeing it. I admit that freely. I will <laughs> okay. say that. Okay. I'm, I'm not just gonna trust other people and what happened with the director and how it all got fucked up. So. I, Miles Teller, though, I I don't know how I feel about him as an actor. Like, is he talented enough or is he super talented? Because, like, to me, he seems like this guy who just kind of is there. And, like, you know, when he plays the drums so hard and, you know, you really he's playing the drums as hard as he can. But he doesn't. I know this character is not supposed to emote a lot of facial and frontward responses because that's he's probably on the spectrum as we said but i don't know miles teller is an actor i guess I, I, he doesn't get me that excited and if he's doing a new movie i'm like oh i gotta go see that new miles teller movie i don't really, <laughs> really feel like okay. that's a thing All right. yeah well, that's okay it's fair but it doesn't hurt the movie or anything i just i don't know if anybody has any thoughts about miles teller because jk simmons gets all the love and deservedly so but it's basically their movie it's those two in this movie and that's yeah. it everybody else is just set pieces well, I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna say that, and I love Paul Reiser. I really do, but I think it's fair to say that he's kind of distant third. But you know what? I mean, it's it's genius casting to to hire someone like Paul Reiser because there's only like three scenes that he's really in, maybe four scenes, and a lot of those scenes he has like a line or two. Like he's actually more just like watching TV with them and stuff. He likes raising so that's on his popcorn. What the fuck? <laughs> right. So to get like a really you know avuncular <laughs> kind of like. Um, just super cuddly and like you know, like you see you're like oh it's Paul Reiser I already love this character I love his dad because his dad is his whole family you know like yeah. he's got his the, the, as as Fletcher likes to remind him his mom ran off there's no other siblings so his his whole family is just one person so he's got to be like a real glowing source of love and you get that feeling not just from Reiser but yeah. the way that he's shot too yeah you really do um there's a lot of so many sweet moments in it. and can we can we please retire this idea that teachers aren't happy teaching in their professions like we <laughs> always have to have this teachers are miserable failures because they're not in high society like i'm sure he's doing just fine well that's just well, a lecture he's got a that's fucking huge house in new york city like like what is yeah. the problem here well that was, he was the lecture. teacher of the year right. yeah yeah at yeah, the table no, exactly. he was being Look at all the talent at this table. He was the teacher of the year. People respected him at that table. Fletcher is the douchebag. Don't let Fletcher take over your worldview, Eric. For real. I won't. I, won't. I really won't. Don't Stay let him true. get in your head. That's what he wants. He wants to get in your fucking head, this guy. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, anything else? Any other notes that you wrote down that we didn't cover here? Uh, what about the... This is a side quest, I guess, for me as a drummer. You mentioned, Travis. Uh, like, how much of this drumming was real and how much of it wasn't? I was always really focused on that. When I was seeing on screen versus what I would hear, and I, I you know, there was the last scene. It's tough. They did they did a lot more up close shots, and Miles Teller, you know, he plays the drums, but he's not going to be able to do what they did at the yeah. end there. 
Sure. Uh, I don't know. Any comments on that? Anybody bothered by it? Or they thought it was just wonderful? I, I mean, I thought it was convincing. It was fine. I I understand that there's some movie magic at play here. I also don't think that like Simu Lu can like ride a dragon and like, you know, all that kind of stuff that <laughs> Shang-Chi can do. You know, I'm not too hung up on the realistic aspect of it. I think it's convincing enough. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why the poor son of a bitch lost out on uh, the role is because Miles Teller could drum quite well, whereas he was just pantomiming it in the short. Uh, it works. Uh, yeah, it works. Um, I mean, I do, have some, I do have some notes. They they really get on this Charlie Parker thing, and it's just, but, I mean, they also kind of talk a lot about Buddy Rich. You read yeah, I know, I was going to say, Buddy... we haven't mentioned Buddy Rich at all on this show yet. Well, he's he like, like shoved one of down the our biggest... throats. He was one of the biggest pricks in in jazz history too. He would berate his 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 uh, teammates, and he he was uneducated and, from all accounts, just a total prick, but a fantastic drummer. Um, so yeah, well, I mean this this I, this idea that <sighs> Andrew's drive and passion aren't enough to make him as great as these titans of jazz. I don't know. Um, that message kind of gets lost on me. I, I, I'm not in love with the fact that he needed Fletcher to get to the point where he is. It's just, I don't know. I'm struggling with it still. Yeah, I think that we're supposed to be left a little unsettled by that because maybe part of the point is that some of the people that leave a deep impression on us are not people that we want to be the ones to do that. Um, mm. But to your point about Buddy Rich, I think there's also something definitely going on here about like, be careful who you choose to be your heroes mm. and be careful of who you emulate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And there's also pictures of him on the wall screaming like an asshole. So there, yes, there is. They're not hiding the Buddy Rich awfulness. This is a, <sighs> Oh, I want to save it till I say my final thoughts. So anything else guys, any other final <laughs> thoughts? Here? Before I, think I, I think I've said my pieces. For yeah, now, I think so. Okay. Well, then I'll go first then. Uh, yeah, you I chose the film. I did choose the film. That's correct. Thank you. I chose Whiplash because I thought that I would be able to rip on it a lot more because I thought, I know Eric loves it. And I'm like, oh man, okay, I'm going to dive into this. And there's a lot of problems <laughs> with this movie, but God damn it. Didn't go as planned. <laughs> you know, I, I got, I found myself. I keep changing. It's really annoying. I wish I was the same person I was before, so I could just rely on all my old opinions. Keep progressing. Now, I know. It's, <laughs> this maturation shit is for the birds, man. <laughs> and I watch this movie in a different light. And yes, J.K. Simmons is kind of actually unbearable at times. I mean, he deserves it, but because he, he's supposed to be unbearable. It's just like, yeah. oh, God, this is brutal, man. It was brutal to watch. But... What I didn't pick up on was some of the mental health stuff and the spectrum and the, you know, his autism disorder, possibly and all that stuff I missed earlier when I watched this. And now I see it through such a different viewpoint. I just do. And I understand it a lot more. And I really am much more curious now at this age about, you know, because when we were younger, all three of you, you guys, we all did this. We, you know, we thought. I mean, shit, me and Travis have known each other so long that we literally have had discussions when we were kids and teenagers about, we're going to make it, me and you, we're going to go places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we, re- Yeah, we really believe that, absolutely. Yeah. Like, going to Hollywood, we're gonna, or we'll be comedians or something. Right. So I, I see that now, and I watch this movie, and I appreciate how 
how much gratitude and appreciation you can get out of a very tiny slice of life, I suppose, having a, a simple abode and a partner you can appreciate or just living your life on your own and enjoying life as is with whatever that may be. That's okay and that's good. And I understand that now and I didn't always get that. So when I watch this movie now, it's it's a really well done, frankly, probably a masterclass on uh, you know the limits you're willing to put yourself through to attain your supposed glory. But why? Why do you want that glory? Why are you hustling to move to that apex? What is it about it? Why do you want it? Have you asked yourself why? That's what this movie's doing. It it allows you to have a conversation with yourself and maybe your family members, maybe your children if you're a parent, or just anybody about, hey, why is this guy doing what he's doing? And I think even though it's brutal language at times, that's that's what they're trying to do in the movie. It's it's a it's a rock solid film with a a timeless message. This will always be part of the process of human development. So this movie will be timeless, frankly, most likely. It'll probably come less and less uh, of its time because of the language in it. But other than that, it's a great film with uh, a legendary performance by J.K. Simmons, who's definitely one of my favorite actors, a guy that's from our area, J.K. Simmons as well. So that's always cool. And uh, this is this movie definitely holds up. Hmm. Okay. Um yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the first time I saw it. I was just, I was elated. It is so hard for me to watch a movie for like the eighth, ninth time and like 10 minutes in to look down and see goosebumps, to feel like excited about what's to come, what I just saw. It's so rare for a filmmaker. This is his second feature um, to produce that is it's fucking sensational i mean technically it reminds me a lot of bob fossey's all that jazz uh, the, the, like as far as the energy is concerned that's one of my favorites of all time um but what i think it does the most is not exactly inspire me to go out there and try to push myself to the limits in an endeavor i might be interested in besides what i do now uh but it gives me a great viewpoint on the effects of dangerous mentors mm-hmm. or, or albeit just people that you surround yourself uh it doesn't give us clear explanations or you know unhollywood like examples but it definitely shows what these types of people can do to you uh it it gives you the 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 tools like when andrew looks over at his drum set and he's sitting on the floor in his dorm. It's just a shot of his drums. So I'm saying, why does Damien Chazelle, what is the point of this? It's Andrew saying, I, I have the tools to be just as good as Buddy Rich. It's on me. Uh, and, and it's little stuff like that, little moments with no dialogue that that do inspire me. Uh, the big stuff is fun, and it's always going to be exciting for me to watch. Uh, I think it's a fantastic film. It's a 10 out of 10 masterpiece, in my opinion. holds up completely. All right. Wow. So as, um, you know, I, I told a friend, like, you know, she asked me, like, oh, what's the movie of the week this time? And I told her Whiplash. And she goes, oh, I'll have to Google that. I'd never heard of it. And I was like, huh. I guess, you know, there are, there, there are still people, despite the, 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 you know, the film community's embrace of this and the, and the fact that J.K. Simmons won a Best Supporting Actor for it, it's still, I think, fairly 
a you know a hidden gem. People are, are are still a little bit underrated, perhaps. There's still some people that need to get eyes on this movie. I had said that when I first watched this movie in 2014, I was like, well, that's a that's a pretty good movie. And then I watched it a few more times since until last night. Well, before mm-hmm. watching it last night, my thoughts was this is probably one of the 30 or 40, maybe 50 best films of this century. Um, and then I watched it last night. And first of all, like again, smacked, like gobsmacked by the by Chazelle's use of color. And I, you know, I've seen this movie multiple times. It just hadn't like that particular thing had not just grabbed a hold of me so clearly before. And this movie literally gets better every single time I watch it, which I can't say that about every movie, but this movie literally gets better every single time I watch it. It's amazing also to me that in a year where where Miles Teller did this and Jake Gyllenhaal did Nightcrawler, that Bradley Cooper got nominated for Best Actor for American yeah, Sniper. Sure. I mean, like, what a fucking loss. Because uh, uh, Gyllenhaal or Teller for this, uh, I really think that Miles Teller's performance here is really underrated. I think he's really incredible in this movie. I think that Chazelle's an incredible director. I think it's probably one of the 10 or 20 best films of this century, and it literally just gets better every time I watch it. Um, this is absolutely a one that holds up yeah we didn't uh really talk about the music either you know which is your favorite you like caravan you like whiplash uh like whiplash. Pre- I, yeah it's fun yeah it's good stuff <laughs> do i sound like it you guys getting it yeah, you do that i'll do, I'll do the george debdu bush you know <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So the George yeah, movie, all right, but... there it is. Whiplash. <laughs> did, it did it hold up? Whiplash with a clean sweep. I thought sure. maybe I'd come in with a contrarian opinion, and I was fooled. I fooled myself. So bamboozled. That happens. You might even say you, you bamboozled yourself. Shit. Mm-hmm. You bamboozled again. Self. Self boozle. Oh, the classic self booze. All right. <laughs> well, hey, that's the Cinema Night podcast. We're going to give you next week's episode in just a moment don't forget cinnamonidepod at gmail.com that's our new email five-star review on apple Podcasts. five-star review with spotify we'd love to get those reviews up subscribe to the youtube the numbers are growing there we appreciate it the patreon exists cinnamonidepod patreon it starts for as little as a single dollar that's right for one dollar you could be on the bill goody coons level of our patreon (laughs) we're doing we got more ideas brewing too we're not only doing 10 minute topics we had a great show meeting yesterday, and we're very excited about some of the directions we're going to be going here. So stay tuned for some more content beyond just the weekly show. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We're going to diversify a bit. Sure. Yeah. We're going to diversify. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. We're moving away from Whiplash, and it's Travis's turn. So um, I thought to myself, I already know what I'm going to throw at you guys for the lovely month of October. Mm-hmm. So bearing that in mind, I thought I would uh, bring something light, something fluffy, something nostalgic. Um, nineteen ninety eight film, Jesus rides beside me, but never buys any smokes. We're doing can't hardly wait. Yeah, I've been waiting ah. for this to pop up. I'm, I've been I waiting. Like- I feel like it had to have been on everyone's list. Sure, this was yeah, an, it's on my an, list. Inevitability, um, yeah, given that I'm we excited. graduated in 1998, and this movie mm-hmm. came out right after we graduated, and uh, we watched a lot of it, or at least I did. So can't hardly wait. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, okay, who 
who directed this? I have no idea who the fuck directed this movie. I, I don't know. Yeah, some someone guy. who watched a lot of Richard Linklater movies, I guess. Yeah, it was, Deb- uh, yeah. that one guy. Yeah, Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfon, a co-direction. Okay, all right. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, this is this is fun. Can't hardly wait. Next week, it's also written by them, written and directed by them. We're gonna see. Charlie Corsmo next yeah, week, right. folks. Yeah. So. Seth Green and his goggles coming. This is, <laughs> this is the second Charlie Corsmo movie we've done because we did Dick Tracy when we first started. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Maybe I'll All email right. him again and be like, hey, now's the time. Come on. You ignored us on Dick Tracy. Wait, Come on our two, show. <laughs> two Charlie Corsmo movies, and we haven't done Hook or What About Bob. That's amazing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, it, hey, look, I'm looking forward to it. That's a good call. And can't hardly wait. We'll be a part of next week's show. That's right. Until that day, then, back to being bamboozled for me. And you guys, yeah. keep living your lives. Enjoy yourselves. Travis Roy, Eric Bradshaw, Michael Govier, Cinema Nine Pod. Thanks you for your time and energy. Bye-bye. I thought for sure you were going to have, like, a big quote. Yeah, there's got to be a... Uh... <laughs> uh, oh, uh, do I look like it's a fucking a... double rainbow? Yes! It's not a fucking Mars bar down there. <laughs> <laughs>